Welcome everyone. Today we get to be with Amber Shaw. Amber is a mind and body transformational expert and also the founder of the Wellness Revolution. We talk about everything from how to take charge of our bodies, our food narratives, how we relate with food, the mindsets that we carry along with ourselves that lead to our habits and how we relate with those habits. She really breaks it down um, all the way from the psychology down to the nuts and bolts of daily habits that will help you create a new relationship with food and how you can actually bring that forth so that we can really establish the foundations for creating the life that we desire. So dive right in. Um, your relationship with food will be forever changed. All right, welcome everyone. Um, today, we have the pleasure to uh, welcome to the show Amber Shaw. Um, Amber is a mind and body transformation expert and also the founder of the Wellness Revolution. Amber specializes in working with women over 40, over 40, empowering them to rediscover their confidence and create a lifestyle that is effortless and sustainable. Um, Amber, really glad to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much. I am so honored to be here. I have been looking forward to chatting with you both uh, and connecting with your listeners for, for a while now. Awesome. You know, to get to get us started and really get to know you better, Amber, um, would love for you to just share your really inspirational journey with the audience. You know, I, I know when both Nick and I read it, we were moved and we were excited to have you on the show. Um, let's just start right there. Would love. Can you share a little bit about, you know, how how did you become the person that you are today? And what was that transformational journey that led you here? I would love to. And, you know, as I'm kind of settling in to share my journey, I do want to just take a minute to invite the listeners to just also just settle in for just a second. I know sometimes when we're listening to podcasts, I know I'm usually multitasking and I'm usually doing a million different things and that's okay too. But I really just want to invite the listeners for just a second, just to just to take a deep breath, just to relax, just to relax the shoulders, just to close your eyes for just a second and literally just take a deep inhale and just let it out and just, just settle in and appreciate the moment. How lucky are we that we get to be sitting here today having this conversation and how lucky are you as a listener that you get to be doing whatever you're doing, but listening, uh, and really doing some personal growth and, and really, uh, just, just being here in the moment. So just take a second to just to really pre appreciate that. I know I do. Amen. Well, thank you again for having me. And I would love to share my story. You know, I know everybody says it's like, it seems like everybody's like, well, it was a windy road, but really it was a windy darn road. Okay. Like I, this was not a straight shot, uh, but I think those are like the best stories. And so for me, really my story is, um, it really is tied into, um, just uh, kind of my own, uh, personal path, obviously of like just my childhood and kind of like my, the way that I grew up and then leading up to, um, a, a big, uh, life change that I had as I was approaching 40. And so, you know, going and, and that's what really kind of the culmination of all that's so like what led me to, to where I'm at right now. And I would say that, you know, as a, a coach who now, uh, who really specializes in coaching, uh, women over 40 to really transform their mind and body and stop with the dieting and really creating that lifestyle that, that is healthy and, but it's also effortless and sustainable. I know that really stemmed from my own trauma growing up and my own really dysfunctional relationship with my body uh, and with food. And I can, I always tell the story that I can really remember my first memory of feeling like I was in, I was in the body. I was, I was supposed to be in a different body, meaning like the body that I was in wasn't good enough. And I know that this is a very common feeling that a lot of women talk 
talk about, but I also know that a lot of men understand this feeling too. It's just not spoken about as much and where this came from, like a lot of, uh, you know, uh, little girls and little boys that grew up, um, you know, in the eighties where body positivity and that whole movement wasn't a thing. All the women in my life, all they ever talked about was being on a diet. All they ever talked about was how fat they were, how unhappy they were, every mirror they looked in right. And, you know, with, without any regard of the little, you know, seven, eight year old eyes watching them, you know, it just, the message sent to me was that the body that you're in is not good enough and you should always be pushing to be in a different body. And this was compounded by the fact that I had uh, female females in my life, aunts, my grandmother, uh, and, and my mother never did, but my aunts and grandmother that would comment on my body. And in fact, my dad did too. Um, and it was not, not in a weird way, but it was just just didn't know any better. It was always like, I was a very athletic kid. Um, I was always very well, like very developed. And so by the time I was like 13, I looked like I was 19 years old. I mean, I was five, seven, I was like the height I am now. And so I was, and so I, they were always comments on me that I was like a big girl and I was bigger than all the boys and I was bigger than all the other girls. And so it was just, that's what started right there. This like this attachment to my outside appearance and this, that thought and that belief really plagued me for my entire life. At 15, I started my first calorie restricted diet. I didn't even know what a calorie was. I just knew that I, that I wasn't supposed to have very many of them. That's all I knew. And I was an athlete. It's crazy. I was starving myself through high school. By the time I got to college, um, just and actually- I just wanted to recognize as you're talking through that, you know, it like brings back memories of our own teenage years. And I, those are difficult years, especially, you know, you're never taught to really think about your body consciously in those days. So please keep going. But I just wanted yeah. to just recognize, like, hopefully the listeners are feeling it too, as they're recalling their own teenage years and how they felt about their bodies and reflected on that. Um, yes. that's, a, that's a huge, you know, part of, that's a huge transformational part of life that, often gets so little attention. Yes, absolutely. And I think back then our parents didn't have the tools maybe that we do, that we are accessible to us now as parents to, you know, to guide our teenagers through that. But I can tell you that because I didn't have those resources, because I didn't know any better, this really did just continue to, to manifest in me in such a negative way. I mean, I, by the time I was in, high, in college, I mean, I was doing like two a day workouts. I was like eating like a bodybuilder. Like I didn't even know what I was doing. It was just crazy by the, then, then this manifests into bulimia. So I was having an eating disorder in my early twenties and I unfortunately, and I'm so grateful because I do have such a strong support system with my family and I had the financial means to get help. I was able to break free of the physical, actual, like the physical parts of bulimia, but I can tell you that I never healed the mental part of it. I was still so body obsessed, so food obsessed and, and just all of it. So then just progressing into my thirties. Now keep in mind this whole time, I am a very, very driven, successful career woman. I mean, I was making six figures by the time I was you know, 23 years old. I bought my first house at 24 and I was crushing it. I was crushing it from the outside. From the inside, I was a very, very sad and unhappy girl. I was using a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol because I was so self-conscious of like my body and the way I looked. And like everybody that hears my story now, they're like, are you kidding? Like, I never would have known. I never would have known, but it was true. I mean, I was just drinking so much all the time. I had so much social anxiety because I was so self-conscious of the way that I looked every time I went out. I was like, honestly, like looking to men for way too much affection and validation. I mean, it was just all of it. It was all of it. And I just didn't realize it though, because it was just, it was all I knew. It was just all I knew. So fast forward into my thirties, I'm married. I have two kids. I end up with both pregnancy gaining, you know, probably 65, 70 pounds. I was like 213, 215 when I delivered both my kids. I was really unhealthy. I had to be on bed rest. I was preeclampsic, super high blood pressure. And it's because, and I know a lot of the lady, you know, women listeners can understand this. 
I used my pregnancy as a nine month binge session. It was basically like, oh, this is my chance. And in fact, my mentality was so screwed up. I'm going to tell you, I ended up actually getting braces as an adult because my mentality was, well, this is my time right now. I'm going to be fat and ugly. No one will want me anyways when I'm pregnant. Not that I wanted people to want me. I was married, but you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to be fat and ugly anyways. I might as well get braces. And then, I mean, this is just how screwed up my mentality was, but I ended up losing the weight and, uh, in a very, very unhealthy way, both times. And I was right back to kind of my old tricks of just really starvation. You know, I wasn't going back to full bulimia, but I was just mentally, I was definitely full in my eating disorder. And then you fast forward to 2018 and I am getting ready to turn 40. And this is right around the time that my marriage completely imploded. There were some very traumatic things that happened in my marriage that were outside of my control. And I found myself really questioning everything. And this for me, I'd always been, I grew up very religious. Um, but at this time I was really starting to explore a lot deeper spirituality, spirituality, as opposed to just conventional, um, religion, right. And, and just, you know, more the, um, really starting to go a lot deeper and, and what that looked like for myself. And so I decided, to go on, I was, I was turning 40 and I was supposed to like the year before I was supposed to do like a, like a girl's gone wild trip to Cabo for my 40th birthday. Okay. But at this stage in my life, I was like, my marriage is falling apart. All I wanted to do was go and go somewhere and get quiet and get quiet with myself and just figure out what the hell is going on. And what is my next move? Because at this point in my life, I am really obviously unhappy with my marriage. Um, I'm actually really unhappy being a mom because I've got two small kids and I feel like I'm dying inside because I am just so burnt out, so stressed out, all the things. And, and, and so it's not that I didn't love my children, but I was burnt out from being a mom. And I was also very, very unhappy with my job. You know, I was making multiple six figures in a job that I worked like three hours a day, if that. But I knew I was meant for so much more. You know, if you, you know, if you've ever had that feeling of just that inner knowing that like what you're doing isn't it, like there is more to life, there is more for you. It's just how do we, how do we discover that? How do we get in touch with that? And so I knew that the only way for me to even start to scratch the surface was for me just to get quiet. And so I took a trip to Costa Rica and on a uh, in a yoga retreat for my 40th birthday and sitting on the beach in a meditation session, I was just asking spirit, like asking God, what, what, what is my next career move? And that was really like what I was focusing on. That was my intention is what is my next career move? Um, because I am meant for more. And I know that. And, and really at that time too, I just knew I had this inner knowing that I was going through all of that pain for a reason that there was no way that I was supposed to do that, go through all of that, go through all the healing work, and then just hold that to myself. I had this conviction to take what I was learning, the lessons I was learning about myself, about marriage, about life, about all of that, and share that with the world. And I didn't know what that was going to look like at the time, but I just knew. And so I left that trip um, because I had a very, very uh, divine moment on the beach and the word coach just hit me. And so I really, I, I, I heard that word. And if you've ever heard a word from spirit and it is just like, you don't even question it, you just hear it and you know it. Mm -hmm. And I just knew it. And so I came back and I leaned into that and I decided that I was really going to start with kind of the health and wellness space. And even though it's always been my passion in sort of like a dysfunctional way, it still is always my passion. I was really interested in it. And sidebar, I'll say this, um, right around that time, um, or not around that time, about eight years prior to that, I had lost my father to, to cancer. And so that kind of also had started like putting the seed, planting the seed for me about like holistic health, uh, you know, integrative medicine, functional medicine, like all of that. And so I became, that became very interesting to me. So I, I did, I came back and I decided to start my coaching company as a side hustle. And one thing led to another, uh, and here I am.
here I am doing, doing the work now. Um, like I said, primarily helping women in that, in that weight loss space. But really, I always say, I'm like, it really is. That's sort of like my front facing just to, to get people into my vortex. But, but once you, once you come into my atmosphere, you know, that it is, uh, it, it's so much more, uh, than that. Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, about more, a lot of life, life coaching for sure. Man, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm listening, I'm listening to my story just in the female form. It felt like really, really cool uh, parallels. Thanks for thanks for sharing all that. There's, I think there's so many different directions we can go. There's so many different things we can go down. Um, selfishly, I'd love for us to talk about diet with women. And, yes. and if you're okay with that, because yes. um, as I had shared with you, Amber, uh, I run a gym that about 70% of our clientele is women. Uh, I think this could be really valuable for them to hear someone candidly talk about uh, their relationship to nutrition and to their bodies. I think there's a lot of things out there in the social media that are projections of people's relationship mm. to diet, nutrition, and their mm. bodies, but they're not actually authentic and and real, like what I'm hearing from you. So I, I would love for us to go down this this path and and start there. Maybe we use that as the gateway. <laughs> yes, I would love to. You know, um, yeah. I w- I'm wondering. So you talked about effortless health. Um, and something I see a lot and this it's in the men and women, like you talked about, but really in women is that it's, there's so much effort. Um, I see women coming into my studio all the time. They're doing, they're working out five times a week. They are, um, they're confused at what to eat. You know, they're listening to 10 different people about nutrition, about exercise, about stress management, about sleep. And at the end of the day, they're just, they're confused and they're, they're frustrated is what I notice. And it's like, it's not like they're not trying. Sure. A lot of them, they're trying, like they're really, really trying. And they're just kind of like, they come in and they put their hand up and they're like, I don't know what else to do. Like I'm doing the things um, and it's not working. And there's so much effort and frustration and pain that is involved with that. So I'd, I'd love for you to unpack if you wouldn't mind this idea of like effortless health. And how do we, how can women especially start to create a different relationship with, with their nutrition and then, you know, and really their body and themselves, um, with a sense of, of ease and fun and enjoyment. Cause I don't think that's really modeled too much. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I got to tell you that like, I, I 1000% blame diet culture for like all of this, right. You know, my whole, my whole methodology, my whole platform is really about simplified nutrition and habit formation. You know, diet culture is what complicates this for everybody. And the root, I think at the end of the day, what keeps people from being consistent, because the thing is, is that here, here's the, here's what really happens. Women might come in and they say, uh, and this isn't true for everybody, but this is what I see a lot in my practice. Women will come to me and say, just like you said, I've been doing all the things and, it, and it's not working. But the truth is, is that what, number one, usually what they're doing, they're not, they're, they're not doing it consistently and for a long enough time to even give their body time to like respond. But, but then also, but that's not their fault because this is the real root. The reason why they're unable to stay consistent is because at the end of the day, what they're trying to do doesn't work for them. It's not, it is not realistic for their life. Like they're, you know, if you're trying to, um, if you're trying to like do a certain diet where you're cutting this out and cutting that out and you're, you know, trying to work out five days a week and you're holding yourself to these standards, what that diet culture creates diets aren't meant for real life. They are not meant for real life. I mean, they are these short term white knuckle it, uh, go all in the, these programs that focus just on nutrition that focus just on, you know, the, the exercise and they really do nothing to focus on like habits and figuring out like what really works for you and your body and what foods do you like, you know, following somebody else's meal plan is worthless. It is a worthless way to go to lose weight because what happens as soon as you get off the meal plan? You've learned, you binge, (laughs) you binge, you right. Or what, you know, how many times have you heard I eat well all week, but then on the weekends I fall apart. How many times have you guys, right? I do. That was most of my twenties. Right. (laughs) And it's, and it's because 
what our definition, and this is again, goes back to diet culture, what we have defined as healthy eating doesn't really work for us personally. It's not satisfying. It's not easy and it's not enjoyable because if it were, and it's usually far too restrictive because if it were, if it, if it were all those things, then what you eat on Tuesday, wouldn't be any different than what you eat on Saturday. Now, keep in mind, I'm not saying that I don't go. In fact, I have pizza and crumble cookies every single Friday night and I love it. Now, do I eat? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Do I eat? Have you guys had caramel cookies, by the way? Do you know what I'm talking? Do you know about no, this? No, I'm going to write that note down. Oh my God. Okay. It's a cult. Just look it up. C-R-U-M-B-L. It's a cult. It started by, started by two, I think, Mormon guys out in Utah and it's insane. Okay. Anyways, let's, that's, that's. I'm insane thing. about cookies as it is. So you've never had anything like this. You've never had anything like crumble. Cookies. This is how, and that's how we get our first ad right there. And in, in our, in our podcast, right there, there. you crumble, go. I like by crumble cookies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But, but what, but. The thing is, is that because I am when during the week, and this is where the effortless part comes in, right? I am eating healthy most of the time, but I'm not, I'm not, as I'm going through the week, I, I, I'm not ignoring cravings. I'm not ignoring hunger signals. So what that means is that I'm not having moments during the week where I'm like white knuckling it being like, ah, oh, I want that cookie, but I shouldn't have it. I want that cookie, but I shouldn't have it. And, and so if I want the cookie, guess what? I eat the damn cookie. Cause you want to know why when I get to Friday night and someone gives me a cookie, I don't feel like I have to have three. I can have a half of one or a couple bites of one or a taste of one. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And it's because I have let go of this mentality that like food is either good and food is bad. Food is food, food is food. And what I always tell my clients is you're a grown, I don't know if I can say curse words on here. So is this yeah, clean try all you want. Okay. No, I'm just saying, I tell my clients all the time, listen, you're a grown ass woman. You're a grown ass woman. You actually can eat whatever you want to eat. You are in control here. And so when you, it's so crazy, when you actually create, give women that permission and men too, that permission it moves people out of that primal state of their brain of like the, like what, cause you know, when someone tells you, 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 you can't have something, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You, you want it, right? That's all you can think about. You want you it, you want it. And, and you may not want, you may be able to white knuckle it through that moment, right through on that Tuesday, you may be able to say, okay, I'm not going to have it. But then what happens on Friday? Well, now like you, you've, you've, your willpower gives out. Right. And so when you can actually just give yourself permission and say, I'm a grown ass man, I'm a grown ass woman. I can eat this if I want. It actually moves you to a different part of your brain, the more reasoning part of your brain that allows you to say, okay, well, do I really want this? Or like, am I, what am I craving about this? Why? And get curious, get curious. Why am I craving this? Right. Uh, is there maybe a healthier alternative? Like, and you, you can start to ask yourself these questions, but if yeah. you don't give yourself the permission, I call it, it's like a Jedi mind trick. I'm telling you it is, and it works, but if you don't give yourself the permission first, you will never mentally get to the second part, which is allowing yourself to be curious. And that right there, if people could just give get their heads around that piece of when it comes to nutrition, it is a total game changer. And that is a big piece of what helps people to be consistent, to be more consistent with healthy eating. It doesn't have to be complicated. It really can be simple. Um, when you are just eating, you know, again, eating a relatively healthy diet and not ignoring the way your, you know, your body body's biofeedback. So sorry, we don't have to tangent there, but I'm so no, passionate no, I about think this because you are, and that, and it's perfect. And there's actually there's so many insights there, and and something that and I actually talk about a lot is we need awareness first, right? Yeah. So oh, so but when you're in this state of I need the cookie, that's not an aware state. That is a that's responsive right. state. That's a that's a trained state. That's a good or bad, like you said. When you can get to the point, the the place of oh, I'm aware that I have a desire for something, and cookie can just be a metaphor now. Now I have awareness of that. Okay, now what do I actually desire? Oh, yes. I'm feeling like I'm wanting some attention. I'm feeling like I'm wanting to be acknowledged. I'm feeling like I'm hungry. I want to be fed. But then you take the right or wrong off it. And then from there, what I'm hearing, Amber, what you say is like, then you move into the ability to choose. Yes. And from choice, now you're empowered and you go, oh, from this state, this is what I want to eat. This is what I get to eat. And actually, this, this really helps me 
with some insight. It's it's something I I struggle with, and I actually judge a lot, even though I teach non-judgment is around food is when I go out with friends and especially in San Francisco and what you're talking about actually really sheds some light on, on maybe why this is happening is we go out to dinner and I, I hate to say it, but I, I get appalled by the amount of food that is ordered and eaten. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like watching primal animals eat to some extent. <laughs> and it's like everything on the menu has to be ordered everything on the menu has to be eaten and then dessert comes and then drinks come. And I love to eat and drink, but I'm going like, what is happening here that we're out of control, like out of control to the point where it's like, how is this okay? Like, I was wondering that too. Like, you know, we wouldn't put drug addicts, you know, in in a circle and be like, okay, guys, go ahead, have at it. But for some reason, in our culture, we can sit down and food is absolutely okay to abuse. Um, and I'm just wondering, as you're just, I'm just kind of talking through my own judgments here, but it, what you're talking about has really helped me kind of gain some insight into it's a reactive response to the week of white knuckling it, not living in our purpose, living, hating our jobs. And then it's like, well, here's my release. So um, Nathan, I think you had a, a piece. I was of just going to say, you know, and then the other thing that ends up happening alongside that is usually a third of that food goes to waste. Um and, you know, where, so it's, it's, it's like this splurge mentality, but I think to Amber's point earlier, if we're starving ourselves through the week and then we're binging on the weekend, which is where very much, you know, where I was too, for many, many years mm-hmm. kind of leads to that dynamic, at least, you know, that's kind of what's resonating with me. And I've noticed too myself, Amber, you know, like when, when I gave myself the permission to say, I don't have to eat just whatever dessert I crave on a Friday or Saturday. I don't have to eat so much of it. You know, if throughout the week I can have a piece of chocolate when I feel like it, I don't have to have a whole box come the weekend. And that changed, that definitely changed my entire relationship with sweets. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of, and so a couple of things I want to say that is one, this is also, and I don't know if the men have this as much, but women, this is where women live all the time is you have then the binge session and then you have the guilt that follows. Mm -hmm. And so one of the key things, and one of the most important things of claiming your power back is that when you can actually make decisions about food from a place of power, then, then that takes away the follow the, the later guilt, because you made the choice. The guilt comes from feeling like a loss of control, but if you maintain control and consciously choose to have that cookie, because you're not doing anything wrong, you're not doing anything bad. Like you just really decided that you wanted the darn cookie. Well, then now there is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no feeling of defeat. And, and, and so, so much of what keeps women and men stuck in this, like going from diet to diet, right. Is this like that, that vicious cycle of like, um, of feeling like they lose control. And then the only way to get control back is to like, start another diet or start over on a Monday. Right. And I can, I always laugh. I, in fact, I was talking about this on my podcast yesterday, If people were to see what my Google search looked like every Monday morning for years of my life and how, and I will, I always like it as an experiment. I wanted to pull like my credit card statement to see how much money I spent between the hours of like 6am and 9am on a Monday morning when I was always in like my lowest pit of guilt and shame from over drinking, over drinking, overeating, like whatever it was. And it's because it was like, a, and so that was a way for me, like starting a new diet, doing a new program or whatever. It was a way for me to just gain control. And so I really do think that you don't ever have to diet again by starting to make these sort of shifts because these shifts will lead to you being more consistent with just the simple dial movers. And when I talk about the simple dial movers, I'm talking about the things in nutrition that you learned in grade school, get more vegetables, you know, cut out a lot of the, you know, don't eat a bunch of sugar, right? Like eat more whole foods, get protein at every meal. Like it really is as simple as that. But diet culture has really overcomplicated all of that. One of the things, you know, that that really resonated with me when I was on the journey myself was, you know, there's there's the psychological bits that we're talking about here. But I think there's like, it feels like there's a physical bit as well. You know, when when you are actually, say, avoiding something for four or five days and then come Saturday, Sunday, now you're 
you know, you're giving yourself permission to do it, to have those things at that time, whether it's sweets or whatever. Uh, it creates some, it, fe it felt to me uh, as just an observer that it creates some kind of deficiency. And it's almost like the body is fighting back. And in that moment, if we give in, kind of lose that sense of control, we have a whole ton of this thing now, and then that's what brings on the guilt piece of it versus if we don't let the deficiency to be created to begin with, at least in my case, I felt, you know, if I was recognizing that I felt like having a pizza chocolate or whatever it was, then like you were saying, come Friday, if I wanted to have that thing again, just a small amount of it would be enough to fill the desire. So, mm -hmm. do, you know, is there some science behind that, Amber? I have no idea. But is there yeah. is there some deficiency that happens in the body where the body is then sort of trying to gain control back of his desires or you know there there possibly could be with the physical part of it but i can tell you that i think especially with the with the women that i coach it really is so much there there probably there maybe is a little bit of like that physical deficiency but it is really a lot of it really is a lot of the mental it really is it is and and for a lot of women too it's that feeling of the reason why we also binge and i met this could be tell me if this resonates with either one of you but even on a subconscious level, the reason why we binge too, and then stay in that binge moment is because we, we have this thought of, well, I'm being bad. Well, damn, I've already been bad. I might as well keep being bad and get all yep. the badness <laughs> out and then I'll be good tomorrow. Right. Like, I mean, have you guys ever had that thought? Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is. I, and to answer that question specifically, I know, and there's a student of mine and I'm, I would bet money. She's going to listen on the, listen to this episode. And she came to me five, six years ago and she was bulimic binging. And one of the, I'll remember this forever. It was one of those things that came out in a coaching moment. Mm -hmm. And she goes, Nick, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm binging. And I just went, okay, so what? And totally removed the right and the wrong off of it. Yeah. Great. So you're binging your food, you're binging your life. And I remember the moment she looks at me, she goes, no one's ever told me before that this is okay. No one's ever told me before that, like, I don't have to judge this. And in that moment, I just saw her drop this good, bad guilt mm. cycle of, well, I'm being bad, so I might as well continue to be bad. It's like, well, if we take the good and bad off it, yes. then, wow, now I don't need to continue this cycle. And I know for myself, I've done that with drinking my whole life. You know, it's like, I'm not going to drink. And then Friday night, I ripped my shirt off after I had a corporate job. And I'm like, how drunk can Same. I get? How fast can I get? And then, and then Saturday, I'm chasing my tail and I'm I'm drinking to get through the hangover. And yeah. I'm, and are, it's you my, like, are you my, are you my counterpart over here? Are I think you so. I think are you so. a male version of me? I mean, I, I quit my corporate job in my mid twenties too, for a reason. Oh my God. Um, and, but I guess it's, it's when we can remove this guilt piece of it and take off the shame and the blame. Yeah. And say no, no, and I've done this with alcohol. Actually, this is something I've taught is, hey, if I'm going to go out and drink, if I choose to drink, and if I choose to drink to the point when I'm hungover, what I find is the next morning, there's no shame, there's no blame. Now there may be a physical hangover, and and this is, I think this is maybe more to your question. There may be a physical hangover, but what I notice is there's no emotional hangover. There's no mental aspect of me sitting on the couch going, I shouldn't have done that, and then when I, and then beating myself up. And making myself bad or or wrong or a naughty person for for doing that. It's like, oh, I chose that. I'm empowered. Mm -hmm. And from that state, I can have the cookie, I can have the beer, I can have whatever, and it's and it's perfectly fine. And it's interesting, Amber, it's, that's how we gain control is by removing the judgment off of it and saying, in this moment, what do I need? Great. Yeah. It's um, giving yourself permission to ask the question. Right. I mean, for, for to, to, to ask the question for so, for so many of us, we, we don't give ourselves permission. We don't allow ourselves to ask the questions about how are we feeling? What do we need? How am I right? It's just 
this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm not supposed to do because, you know, Susie, the influencer told me so. And so, uh, and this is how I'm going to live my life. Well, I'm sorry. I don't want to live my freaking life like that. Right. Like, uh, and so, and I want to be able to, uh, you know, yeah, get curious with myself and it makes a huge, huge difference. I mean, I can difference. I can tell you that I'm probably 44 this month and I have not counted a calorie tracked a macro, you know, weighed myself on the scale none of it in years. And I am in the best and leanest shape that I've been in my entire life. And I just, I focus on portions. I, I eat a balanced meal. I don't, I still indulge, but I don't overindulge. I eat, I focus on every meal at feeling satisfied. And so when I make that big, beautiful salad for lunch, and I take a first bite of it and it's like, mm, it's not that good. My immediate thought used to be, I know this is what I'm supposed to eat or finish it. Right. My immediate thought now is like, no, hell no. What can I, what can I add mm. to this? It's going to make this good because every, what people need to understand is every time you ignore a craving, every time you tell yourself you are hungry and you squash it down, every time you walk away from a meal, feeling unsatisfying, feeling the meh, all you're doing is contributing to a future binge. That's mm. it. Every time, every time. And what I want to say really quickly about a binge binging, if you're listening to this and you keep hearing us use the word binge for me, when I say binge, I'm not necessarily referring to like the clinical ver the clinical definition of binging where, you know, it's like, you know, eating a full pizza or a big, you know, big box of cookies. Like those are, you know, those are definite, you know, there are clinical like definitions of binge. I actually consider a binge anytime you eat without intention. Anytime you are ignoring your body's biofeedback um, and, and just eating. Um, so like if you're not really hungry, um, but you're eating because you feel like this is the only time to get the cookies in. So you might as well get them in now. Right. Or like you're you've just totally disconnected from how you're really feeling in your body and you're letting your mind dictate how much you're eating. Then that to me is considered a binge. It's eating without intention. Eating without intention. That's such a huge piece. Uh, what he just brought up of like connecting with your body and yeah. knowing how you're feeling, you know, yeah, it's lunchtime, but am I really hungry? Because right. maybe I had a super heavy breakfast and don't really need to eat. Maybe I need to give myself a break or just have a small piece of fruit. Um, and, you know, there was this sense of like, when we were talking about it before of rather than evading or sneaking around our habits, like, Let's look at what our desires are and ac accept them, honor them. Yes, let's be, uh, you know, have good judgment around them. So like you were saying, you know, if I am feeling about like eating something, I, I can give myself a piece of that and not get carried away to where again that binge or guilt feeling comes again but still honoring those desires and rather than trying to sneak around them and having that dull salad only two day to do to do two days later, you know, binge on something completely in the opposite direction. Absolutely, because that is really what keeps and you know, you guys may have seen this too with like your clients and it, but that really to me is like the number one thing that just keeps the weight on and keeps the weight, like people keep losing and gaining weight is it really is this up and down. It's, you know, losing weight doesn't have to be complicated. It's about being consistent most of the time over time. It's the long game. It's a long game. Sure. You can overcomplicate it and try and do something in the short term. That's a diet. That's a diet. We all know what that gets you. But the truth is, is when we talk about sustainable weight loss, and I'm talking about weight that you lose, it doesn't come back. It is about building that lifestyle. And the reason why I always say a lifestyle that is effortless is because that's the only lifestyle you're going to stick to. You're not going to stick to something and be consistent with something that's hard and something mm -hmm. that doesn't work for your life. And that's what diets are. Ember, have you heard of ghee? Yeah. Clarified better. Yeah. And yeah. there's this myth in the, uh, in a lot of the, the dieting cultures, you know, around the Indian culture of like, Hey, that stuff's got to be completely cut out. And I used to do the same thing too, until many years ago, um, until, you know, I came across this, um, Indian nutritionist coach that used to work with all these Bollywood stars and they had these beautiful bodies and she was telling them just like yourself eat a whole healthy balanced diet, including your fats, right? Yes. 
And some of the things, for example, she would point out is like, hey, in, in your Indian food, put ghee on your rice because rice by itself will digest really fast. But if you put some fat on it, like ghee, it's going to slow down the digestion. It's going to keep you fuller for longer and you're not going to have those crazy cravings later on. And so similarly with other whole foods, you know, that keep you satisfied and keep you, uh, keep your body fulfilled and hence avoiding all those other cravings that may follow. But sometimes within our main meals, like you were talking about the salad, you may make it so light that it doesn't actually fulfill you. And then all the other cravings come back. Absolutely. I mean, when I coach my clients, there's like three non-negotiables that I have my clients put at every single meal. And that is a good, good quality protein, whether that's plant protein or animal protein, it is lots of veggies and it's a good fat. Now I'm not saying don't eat carbohydrates, but, um, you know, you don't necessarily need complex. And I, when I say carbohydrates, I coach my clients that have more complex carbohydrates, ones less processed, less refined. It is going to keep your blood sugar more stable. Um, and you want your blood sugar to be more stable because that is going to keep your, uh, your hormones balanced, your energy more stable, your cravings at bay. Um, but the, the, the behind the good fats and the protein and the vegetables, you know, the protein is, especially for women, that is like the, probably the, the, the macronutrient that is so under eaten. And it's like the most important one really for men too. I mean, it's just protein is so, so important. Now it doesn't mean that we need to like way overeat protein. There's also some danger to that, but you know, getting protein, um, it's going to help, like you said, with, with your, uh, digestion and slowing your digestion down, keeping you fuller longer. And that's what the good fats do as well. Plus, you know, again, going back to heart health and going back to, you know, hormone balancing and all of that, the good fats are so necessary. Uh, and then of course the vegetables, uh, because, you know, look, we all know we need more vegetables, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, all of that stuff. So I always tell clients, yes. I mean, you, those are like the, I call them the three absolutes. Like you got to get those three at every single meal. Now, if you want to add some complex carbohydrates, great, but let's focus on portion sizes, right? Like, let's just focus on portions. I usually tell my clients, like a two cupped hands full of some complex carbs or maybe a fist. And when you are eating like that and you're focusing on portions, you don't need to count macros. You don't need to count calories because it's like the macro and a, you know, larger palm size of like chicken. And I usually focus on more like five, six ounces. It's like the macros are the macros are the macros and a piece of chicken that big. Like you don't need to count it. You don't need to track it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love that you brought that up about the good fats because, diet culture is, and, and that's flipping now, but for the longest time, you guys know diet culture, like totally demonized fats. Um, but yeah, that's really important. Yeah. Um, I, I love the piece you, you brought in about the intentional eating and with the binging mm -hmm. <laughs> there's something, and something I, sh I can share that I do. And that's really helped me. And I'm, I'm be interested to see what your guys, um, techniques are on this, but before I eat anything, I actually, they sound weird. I talk to my food and, and I, and I say a prayer and I say, I say to the food, whether it's a, a piece of steak or it's a carrot, I say, you know, um, thank you for, you know, thank you for the substance or thank you for your sacrifice. And, um, I acknowledge, you know, the, the benefits you're going to bring into my body. And I thank you for that. And I try to also thank the, if it's an animal, thank the animal. If it's, if it was cooked by my wife, thank my wife. So whatever I'm doing, I'm acknowledging, the people, places, and things around me that have brought this food to me so that I, then I can nourish myself. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that's a really powerful word when it comes to nutrition is nourishment. Like what is going to nourish you and how can you bring more awareness to that? And then I notice when I do that, even if it is a cookie, it's like, I can appreciate this cookie. I can acknowledge it. I can bring it into my body. I can ask it to fill me up, make me happy, make me satisfied. And then I notice that it, that will help me not need as much or want as much. So I'd be interested to, to hear if you guys have any kind of food rituals or any kind of mindsets that you approach uh, with eating or while eating. Well, I just want to say what came up for me right now is I thought, God, you know, cause I'm always talking about again, like simplifying your nutrition. Like I thought, man, what a cool, if you didn't, if you didn't want to do anything else, like what a cool, like barometer to just be like, you know what? I'm just going to live my life focusing more on like how many times a day do I have? Like, am I able to actually thank for nourishment versus how many times a day am I actually thanking for, you know, Oh, just, you know, giving me a little pleasure. Right. And if you could just kind of balance out getting more, if you're realizing that you're every 
time you sit down to eat and you're, you're being intentional about it and you're like, oh, wow, this actually probably isn't nourishing me, but it doesn't mean I'm bad, but like, I need to probably work in some more nourishing meals. I mean, that right there could like just, just easily clean up your diet. Right. I think that that, I love that. I love that idea of just really uh, being, and what that says is that you're just, you're creating a level of awareness. So many times we sit down to eat something and there's like, you, there's no awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And you are just pausing and being present and creating that awareness. So yeah, I don't know that I, I don't necessarily have like a food ritual like that, but I will say that one of my focuses that when I sit down to, to eat is really all about satisfaction. And so I talked about being uh, like, you know, satisfied, like in what I'm eating, but it's also eating. And I've now gotten to the point where I just know this feeling in my body, um, but eating to always eating to 80% full. So, you know, I know hundred percent full is stuffed and anything less than 70% is like, I'm going to walk away from that meal wanting more to me, 80, 80% full. And that is, uh, you know, that's, that's different for everybody, but 80% full is that feeling that's like, you know, if I, I could eat a little bit more, but if I did, I'm probably going to be full. Like I'm good. And it's crazy in the beginning. If you start practicing, if you're listening to this and you want to try this, know in the beginning that it, it's a little trial and error, but I promise, and you're, and it's a mindfulness ritual, right? But over time, you won't even have to think about it. You just know when to stop your body. Just, you just know, you know, that feeling. And that mm -hmm. to me, um, has been really, really helpful as well is just that mindfulness piece of it. Yeah. And what do you start to notice with that? I, I, you know, as I've, as I've been practicing that myself is, um, you know, you, you start stopping at like when I'm, when I'm good, when I'm satisfied. Yeah. And, and when you don't go above, you also notice how much better your energy is, you know, yeah. after a meal, I can go and actually still be productive and have a great time working, doing whatever it is I'm going to do versus when I do get to the point of full, when you start getting those like afternoon you know, food coma type of feel like, oh, maybe I need a nap. Now, maybe I have to go for a walk. Now, maybe I have to drink a cup of coffee because yeah. I've got to wake myself up from that heavy meal I just had. And it and that has, you know, all kinds of other than downstream effects on the way we work and our productivity and everything. So just that one decision around how we eat and where we choose to stop has this, you know, domino effect on the rest of our day. So um, I love yeah, that, yeah. You sh I, you, that you brought that in, Amber. Uh, a food ritual, Nick, that that we do in our house is just same, similar, just thanking. Uh, we usually say, you know, thank you, God, for food and life mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of every meal is just to honor the fact that we get to have a good meal often, you know, especially at dinners together as a family. And but I love like a distinction you brought in, Nick, which was be bringing your attention to what also what it is that you're putting into your body in that meal. So whether it's the carrot, whether it's the steak, you know, I often find myself um, now that we're talking about it, it's kind of coming up that I'm always keeping in mind sort of the last three meals that I had. Mm. And was it a meal of wedgies, a salad? Was it a very heavy sort of cheese and pasta type of meal? Was it something, you know, Indian that may have been uh, like a restaurant meal that was heavy? Or, or was it a more home cooked light meal? And so I'm often finding myself balancing my meals in that way to also say, okay, I haven't had some veggies in a while. I haven't had some fruit in a while. You know, today I'm going to consciously have a piece of fruit. Today I'm going to consciously put in some fresh veggies into my body. Um, and that's something that as I notice each meal I'm eating, it starts to register and it started creating that pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so as Nathan, as you're talking, there's, there's actually a piece I want to bring in here around, around coaching. Um, it's a trick I learned from one of my teachers, and it's something that if you're a coach, you're listening, you can do with your clients. And if you're a person working with yourself, you can, in essence, do this to coach yourself. So Amber, as you were talking and, and Nathan, you're talking about portions and paying attention to what you're eating. For example, something I noticed I do is I pretty much always finish what's in front of me. Mm -hmm. So the other night I went and got a burrito and this thing was like, it was massive. And I ate at halfway through Amber. I'm like, I'm full. And I ate the whole thing. And so, <laughs> and it's, you can tell a lot about yourself by the way you eat. Okay. So mm -hmm. for example, what do I mean? Okay. Let's say French fries come and 
you can't get enough French fries into you fast enough. And it's like one in, one in, one in. You just, you constantly are. And then before you know it, there's no French fries left. So the way you eat is really showing you a mirror into the way you're thinking and the way you're living your life. Food's just one aspect. Some other people use money, alcohol, but food's a powerful tool. So do I have to eat everything on my plate? That's conditioned. That's, I learned from mom. I learned from dad. I learned from my grandparents that were in, you know, uh, the Great Depression, right? Whatever that is. Do I, do I not share? Do I need, do I need to be the one that has more of the food? Um, can I not control it? Do I have to order, you know, specific things? So if you pay attention to not just what you're eating, but more importantly, now we brought in a, another layer of how you're eating. Mm-hmm. That's where you really can get curious. And Amber, I love you brought that piece in of like, wow, I'm noticing that I have to, notice my language, finish the burrito. Wow, what else do I have to finish in my life? What else am I, do I have an, a, a scarcity mindset? Am I worried there's not more food coming? Uh, myself, whatever it is, but the, not from a judgmental lens, but from a curious lens of, wow, mm-hmm. that's really hard for me to do. And I'm going to practice that now moving forward. I'm going to see if I can not eat the whole burrito. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try. How, yeah. how did you feel after that burrito, Nick? What's that? How did you feel after finishing that burrito? I mean, I felt great. How was because, the rest of your day? I mean, it felt great because it was a giant shrimp burrito and it was delicious. Yeah, sounds so and I'm good. like, and I'm 230 pounds. So it's like, I can eat it, but I'm, but as you guys are talking, I'm like, but I don't know if I chose to eat it. I think that was a, a, a habitual but I had the interest, I had the awareness, but I didn't have the, the willpower to stop. So that that's a different piece. Well, and I think you brought up a good point about food narratives, right? It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. getting curious about what are your food narratives, right? Like I was also, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, I know for me, I grew up in the whole, like, yeah, you got to clean your plate to get dessert, right? Like, and my dad, in fact, the clean plate club, that was a thing in my house, clean plate club. And so, you know, and, and you did not waste leftovers, right? So I think a lot of us have some food narratives, um, that we are, and maybe even some like food scarcity issues that yeah, could transcend into other areas of your life. But I think it's important just even starting with what are the narratives you tell yourself when it comes to food and, and really letting that go. That was a big, big thing for me was really getting my head around being able to throw away food. Now I don't, I'm not an advocate of wasting food. It also makes you mindful of not over ordering and, and all of that. But, you know, like when leftovers come around around the holidays, right? Like I always had this thing of like, I got to finish them. And I was like, it doesn't matter if like the, the, they go in the trash or they go in my gullet, like they're, they're going to be gone. So like, I don't need to eat them. And like, again, not, not a proponent of wasting food. I'm just, I'm just saying that was a big one for me. So yeah, questioning kind of those food, the food narrative um, that you may have. And that story you're telling yourself is is a good place to start too. I love that word too. I don't know if I've heard that before. Food narrative. Yeah. Yeah. We have narratives about all aspects of our life. We certainly do when it comes to food nutrition, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, there's certainly so much amazing information and conversation that we had today. Um, and I just want to almost recap, you know, just like, I don't know if we'll be able to capture anything, but maybe just a couple key things that are, that are sticking with all three of us. And we'll kind of, we can kind of go in around and just share some of the things that are really resonating with me, you know, is uh, bringing more awareness to our, our daily food habits, what's in front of us. Uh, what are we avoiding? What are we leaning into? How are we honoring or choosing not to honor our desires? Uh, And also just becoming more mindful of our portions, you know, Um, am I full? Am I already hungry? Uh, Or sorry, am I, uh, am I uh, already, uh, am I not hungry and still choosing to eat just because it's, uh, you know, a certain time of the day, those are some things that are definitely resonating with me. And I'm curious, uh, what's, what sort of, what are some of the key pieces that each of you picked up on? You know, I think what really kind of what's, what's, what's the, the, what's what I'm called to kind of share is kind of the, the, the punctuation point on this is really going back to the permission piece of it, right. It is really taking back your power, um, and, and get granting yourself permission to be curious, not just about your nutrition and, and your, your exercise, but just in general in life, you know, just, just giving yourself permission to be curious. And it's crazy when you can let go of the, 
the good and bad, again, going back to that word narrative, that good and bad narrative mm -hmm. that you have, you may be surprised what possibilities open up and what things you learn about yourself when you can just give yourself permission to be curious. Yeah. Echo, echoing that for sure. I, I really love this piece around effortless health, um, which encapsulates a lot of what you both just said. And, and Amber, you, when you were talking about it, it's like, if it's not easy, if it's not fun, if you don't enjoy it, it's not, it's probably not sustainable. I, and I think that's a huge piece, like exercise, nutrition, health, that can all be fun and effortless mm -hmm. when you learn to have a, a conscious relationship to it and understand your nerves. Yes. I think those are all just huge pieces. Um, for me and for all of us. So yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. And I really love that we took it to the food level, uh, but also in a very conscious, mindful way at the same time. Yes, cool. I love it. This is so great, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Amber, yeah. do you have a few seconds, few minutes to hang out with us? Um, sure. I want to throw in a bonus question, yeah. which is yeah. a bonus a question. Little, a little uh, <laughs> tangent from the conversation we've been on, but it's something that came up for me when you were introducing yourself and really, you know, highlighting your story which was when you took sort of this charge of your life and you were trying to find your mission mm -hmm. and you took and created that space for yourself and you sat down and you kind of had this uh, moment with the divine where you presented this question of what am I supposed to do with my life or what, what is, you know, what is my purpose? And that really, that really connected with me. Uh, in fact, that's a practice that I offer to certain one, my clients, you know, when I know they're ready for it and it can almost sound like voo voo, you know, like sitting, sitting someplace by yourself and saying, you know, Hey, this outer entity, tell me what my purpose is and where's it going to come from. But at the same time, you know, there is this inner knowing that when called upon, like, like in your case too, there's an intuitive answer that's presenting. There's like an intuition or an inner knowing that comes up that leads us down a direction. And I'm just curious if you can talk a little bit about that and how that materialized for you, or if there's any advice around that that you would offer. Because oftentimes, you know, right alongside food, right alongside being 40, we're also facing these big questions in life. And yes. you know, you had a very personal experience of that. Yes. I love this. God, this is really so much of my passion to talk about. And what I'll say is where it really starts is being open to the possibility, open to the possibilities. And, and, and so, if, you know, if, and, and so you're never going to have those intuitive hits. If you're like, ah, oh, that's kind of woo woo. Like you're, if you're closed off from that, you're never going to get to that next place. Right. It's sort of like we we're talking about with the food part. You're never going to, never going to get to like 2.0. You're never going to get to that next level. If you're not open to the possibility. And once you can start to, to open up, you know, your, that, that, that realm, open up that just even just saying like, okay, like, what if I am open, then you, you can start to trust like your, 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 uh, your intuition. You can start to just really connect with that, but I will say it takes practice. And so for me, you know, if you're somebody who is not used to being in those quiet moments with yourself and you don't even know, like, what would that be like? You do have maybe questions, but you're like, I don't know if like, cause I, this is what I hear a lot from people is like, yeah, but how do I know that's really my own head talking or that's really my, and that's normal for everybody. But what I can tell you is that if you're, it starts with, if you're open to the possibility and you start practicing getting quiet, what I will tell you is that that connection will form. And I am a true believer that intuition is a direct line to source. I really do believe that. And what will happen is, is that the more it's sort of like meditation, the more reps you get in, right? It is a practice, the better you get at it. And what I will tell you is if you could just start, you don't have to be there yet, trusting your thoughts. But what I could tell you is that if you will just start by being open to it, and then you start to get quiet and you start to just breathe and you start to just whatever that looks like for you, the more you do it, it will become, it will become the inner knowing you will start to trust. You will start to lean in. And I will say the second piece of just being open to the possibility is also believing that you are also, you are always exactly where you're supposed to be. Always. That is like the mantra that got me through that most difficult season of my life, which was, I don't know why I'm here and I'm pissed as hell and I'm there and I'm sad as hell and I don't understand it, but I believe that I am here for a reason and I am open to the possibility that there is another side to this. 
I don't know what that looks like, but I'm open to it. And when you can lead with that mindset, some beautiful and amazing things can happen in your life. Thank you. Thank that you. Was, that was so amazing. Um, and to just add to that, you know, just one thing I'll mention is I've found for those folks that do struggle with trying to judge whether this is my mind talking or is this, you know, where is this coming from? Is sometimes this practice of uh, also trying to connect with your heart mm. more. Mm -hmm. And so le letting the mind and whatever conversations are coming up or thoughts are coming up being there, but maybe consciously asking, you know, what, what is my heart's desire here? Yes. And just asking that question, similar to asking, you know, the, the universal energy, the divine energy around us of what's my purpose in life. We start to ask our own heart, you know, another intuition, intuition is kind of like the language of the heart. And it, you know, it stops slowly, but surely, like you said, with, with practice, we start to form that connection. We start to form that relationship and the language starts to come up on its own. And even I'll just say really quickly, just even starting with asking yourself, if you're wondering, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, like, how do I don't even know how to do this? How do I get quiet myself? What do I do? I want you just to ask the simple question. How am I today? How am I today? And that right there, I mean, how many times do you go out throughout your day really actually asking yourself, well, how the hell am I? Not the superficial answer. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. That we're so conditioned to give everybody else really getting fucking honest with yourself and saying, how am I today? And, and th start there, start there. That's how you start connecting with your, re your inner thoughts, your feelings, and how you are really feeling by asking that one question. Love it. I think that is the perfect place for us to, to cap this beautiful conversation. Thank you so much, Ember. Thank you, Nick. Um, Absolutely. Thank you. Was a joy. Well, thanks so much. Thank you Appreciate so much. Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guests today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and uh, how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.